0: Welcome to the Sufi Reverberations podcast, where each week, God willing, you will be able to hear a poem, a story, a meditation, and a musical interlude that give expression to one Sufi's perspective concerning the mystical dimension of Islam. My name is Anab Whitehouse, and I will be your host. Although I am not a sheikh, nonetheless, I did have the opportunity to spend 16 years in the company of a Sufi saint of the 20th century and by the grace of God, was able to gain a few insights into the nature of the Sufi mystical path through that association. So, without further delay, let's proceed to the essential contents of this episode. This piece is called Emotional Flow. Rhythms come and go through heartbeats of time's hourglass as life disappears. Precision of military movement leads to messy details. Living in the midst of what ifs and could have beens, there is anime. Happiness flies by a rare species of bird in entangled jungles. When blues reign supreme, the mind's eye is tone deaf to the lyrics of hope. Aspirations soar from silos of intention, boomerangs return. Bottom of the ninth, runners on first and third, two out, a child has died. Inhumanity raised its ugly head above feet of fragile clay. What feelings compare with love's enveloping warmth? image dances before me clothed all in grace. Music fills the night. Tears fall and rush off to the sea. Laughter rings and fades. Life's quilt is sewn. Today's short story is called A Father Complains. The center's spiritual guide read the message again. Mr. Carson wishes to speak with you about his son and would like to stop by tomorrow morning at 9, if this time is convenient. He is awaiting your return call. Please respond by 4.30 p.m. A phone number was neatly written at the bottom of the note. The teacher picked up the receiver, entered in the numbers, connected with Mr. Carson, spoke briefly, and agreed to meet with him at the indicated time on the following day. At 8.58 a.m. the next morning, someone knocked on the guide's door. He arose from his desk, walked to the door, opened it, and found himself face to face with a tall man who appeared to be in his early fifties. The man was well-groomed and tanned, had a full head of black hair with only a touch of gray along the sides and piercing blue eyes. Mr. Carson, I presume, said the center's spiritual director, and he extended his hand in welcome. The man smiled, acknowledged the correctness of the presumption, and accepted the hand being offered. Mr. Carson was invited in, and the door was closed behind them before the teacher guided the man to a couple of easy chairs by the window. "'May I get you anything in the way of refreshments, Mr. Carson?' asked his host. "'Coffee, tea, or perhaps a soft drink?' he added. His guest politely declined with, "'No, thanks. Really, I'm fine.' The teacher sat down, folded his hands, rested them on his legs, and waited for the man to speak about whatever had brought him. The wait was very short. The man opened with, Sir, I believe you know my son, Alan Carson. And noting the teacher's nod of agreement, continued on, Well, I'm concerned about a number of things in relation to his affiliation with the center. Tatish's hands unfolded and made a sign of encouragement, as if to say, yes, go on. Then he folded them again and rested them on his legs once more. My boy has been coming to your center for three or four years now. And while I do see some promising changes in his behavior and attitudes about quite a few things, and this does please me, nonetheless, there are some issues which bother me. For example, he tells me that he has different duties at the center and included among these responsibilities are cleaning both the stables and bathrooms. Apparently he has been doing this for several years. Although I can understand why some amount of this sort of thing is appropriate and constitutes part of the training, I think that two or more years is far too long a period for any son of mine to be doing that sort of thing. He has informed me of his other duties, and for the most part, I don't have a problem with the other things he does, but I would like to make a proposal concerning the bathroom and stable details, if you don't mind, of course. The teacher shrugged his shoulders and raised his eyebrows, saying, I try to be open to possibilities. What do you have in mind? Mr. Carson started right in. I'm a fairly well-to-do man. I would like to have a few of my employees come over here on a regular basis, at your discretion, of course, and assume most, if not all, of the stable and the bathroom cleaning duties of my son. This would free up my son, and maybe some of the other students here as well, to be able to spend more time on the sort of spiritual activities for which they came to the center in the first place. What do you think about this proposal? The teacher's head made a kind of half-shake, and he replied, ''Your offer is certainly very kind, Mr. Carson, but let me ask you a question, or better yet, if you will permit, can I show you something?'' ''Sure, please do,'' he said. The teacher rose and walked to the door, saying to Mr. Carson as he did, ''Please, come with me.'' The two went through the door, down a corridor, walked through another door near the end of the hallway, and walked up some stairs to the next floor. The teacher opened the door and the two of them entered the center's infirmary. Proceeding down the hall, the teacher took a right into a room with several patients. The teacher said, hello, to the people in the room and asked how they were all doing. Everyone gave brief responses of acknowledgement and status reports on their respective conditions. And then the teacher indicated that the people in the room should carry on as if he weren't even there. He went over to a chart on the end of one of the beds, looked it over, and took some pills off a tray on a nearby cart. He poured a glass of water, and then he came back to Mr. Carson and said, Here, please take the pills, as he handed him a cup of water. An incredulous look flashed across the face of Mr. Carson, and he said, in rather exasperated tones, What are you talking about? The teacher registered surprise at Mr. Carson's response. Why won't you take the pills, the teacher inquired. Because I'm not the one who is sick. The man over there is, he said, nodding to the person on the hospital bed. The teacher shook his head in agreement with Mr. Carson, saying, Yes, that's that's right. So why do you want your employees to take your son's spiritual medicine? Mr. Carson blinked a few times, looked at the man on the bed, and back at the teacher. A look of understanding briefly spat across his face. He ran his fingers through his hair, exhaled slowly, and chuckled. You've made your point, I guess. But there is one other concern that I have that is quite different from the present issue. Looking at the teacher and getting the let's hear it signal, Mr. Carson said, My son says he doesn't eat all that well here. Plain rice, some stale bread, a few assorted greens, a couple of vegetables. Yet my son also says that some of the older students eat very well, including lots of fancy chicken dishes. Why such an inequity? Why can't my son eat chicken like some of these other students? The teacher remarked, Ah, yes. He motioned for the father to follow him. They went to an elevator and rode it to the basement. They walked a short distance and went through some double doors marked Cafeteria. The large room was nearly empty with only a few scattered people here and there. The teacher maneuvered around some tables and approached the man sitting by himself towards the back portion of the cafeteria. The man had just finished a meal. The teacher extended greetings to the seated individual, and these were cordially returned. The teacher sat down and invited his guest to do so as well. When the two were seated, the teacher said, This is Mr. Carson, who is talking with me about various issues concerning the center. The two men exchanged a handshake. When this had been completed, they both looked over at the teacher. He said, How long have you been at the center, Mark? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, let's see, uh, maybe 35 years, Mark said. He thought about it a bit more and said, Yeah, 35 years. The teacher looked at Mark, and then he looked at the plate in front of the man, and then he looked at Mark once more. Mark concentrated on the bones remaining on the plate, and slowly they became transformed into a whole chicken breast. When this was done, he got up and said goodbye to the teacher and Mr. Carson. The guest was dumbfounded by what he had just seen, or thought he had seen. It couldn't be, but it was. While Mr. Carson continued to stare at the plate in disbelief, the teacher whispered in his ear, When your son can do that, Mr. Carson, he can have chicken, too. The following musical interlude is entitled, Come Together. The past is just a memory, and the future is but a possibility. How imperceptibly the present fades into what will never be again, as it becomes immersed in the mists of not yet realized possibilities. You are listening to the transitory, fleeting, perishable, fragment-filled remnants of the Sufi Reverberations podcast. This week's edition of Meditative Essays is Heedlessness. Heedlessness is a quality of our spiritual darkness. To be heedless is to be a servant of the ego. Heedlessness is to prefer our own ideas to divine meanings. Heedlessness is to favor our own opinions over the teachings of the prophets, saints, and spiritual guides. To be heedless is a clear sign of our deep addiction to our false self. To be heedless is to be preoccupied with the whims and fantasies of the ego. Heedlessness entails denying the rights which God has over us. Heedlessness involves denying the rights which our families and neighbors and all of creation have over us. To be heedless we must reject the call of our spirit. To be heedless we must abandon our hearts to the decay and corruption of our egos. Heedlessness gives expression to criticism of God's creation. Heedlessness exists in our finding fault with God's way of handling and managing our affairs. To fail to realize the purpose of our existence is to be heedless. To continue to allow the activities of our passion and anger to transfix us is to be heedless heedlessness blinds us to the signs of God to be heedless is to be mute in our praise of God to be heedless is to not realize God is closer to us than life itself heedlessness means we do not understand our essence is rooted in divinity To ignore the countless forms of kindness God extends to us every day is to be heedless. To fail to cherish the spiritual opportunity which this life offers is to be heedless. To fail to assume our responsibilities with respect to the care and protection of nature is to be heedless. To allow the soil of soul to remain fallow is to be heedless. Heedlessness is to treat love as if it were a four-letter word. Heedlessness is to be attracted to hostility, hatred, and malice. Heedlessness is to have lost access to our capacity to distinguish between the real and the illusory. To be heedless is to savor the taste of worldly things. To be heedless is to be willing participants in the spread of of the diseases of the ego. Heedlessness is to be inactive in helping the poor, the hungry, and the homeless. To believe we are independent of God is to be heedless. To prefer gratification to sacrifice is to be heedless. Heedlessness consists in placing trust in ourselves rather than God. To be heedless is to prostitute our spiritual potential. To separate ourselves from divine guidance is to be heedless. To go through life intoxicated with our own likes and dislikes is to be heedless. Heedlessness is to show inadequate respect for sacred ground. Heedlessness is to confuse our false self for our real self. To be heedless is to take license with God's forgiveness. To be heedless is to seek worldly knowledge rather than gnosis. Heedlessness is to believe we will not be held accountable for what we omit and commit in this life. Heedlessness is to waste our lives worshipping the idols of the ego. To not understand the depth of our vulnerability to the forces within and without us is to be heedless. To believe we are awake when we are fast asleep is to be heedless. To ridicule and show contempt for the servants of God is to be heedless. To take the world as a friend is to be heedless. Heedlessness is to prefer rebellion over obedience in relation to God. Heedlessness is to betray one's essential identity. To be caught up with the diversions of avocations rather than the work of our spiritual vocation is to be heedless. To treat time as if it were a renewable resource is to be heedless. To consider truth to be relative to one's point of view is to be heedless. To believe there are no absolutes is to be heedless. Heedlessness is to object to the imposition of constraints on the activities of the ego. Heedlessness is to suppose we are the source of our rights and not God. To be heedless is to rest our hope on other than God. To be heedless is to suppose that our successes are the direct result of our efforts. To be indifferent to the misery and pain we cause others is to be heedless. To believe God is not intimately aware of all that we do is to be heedless. To suppose the answers to the problems of life can be found in science, medicine, economics, psychology, politics, mathematics, theology, and or philosophy is to be heedless. To set about changing the world before we transform ourselves is to be heedless. To mouth spiritual platitudes without sincere commitment to implementing spiritual principles in our lives is to be heedless. To be preoccupied with finding fault with others rather than ourselves is to be heedless. To believe a life of spirituality can be gained without struggle is to be heedless. To assume one's struggles are sufficient for spiritual success is to be heedless. To be heedless is not to be immersed in the remembrance of God. To be heedless is to consider our death to be far away. To be heedless is to assume anything can occur without permission of God. To be heedless is to blame God for what we permit to come into our lives. Heedlessness is to believe we can realize divinity in our lives while holding on to our false selves. Heedlessness is to be inattentive to the fact all things pass away. You have been listening to the Sufi Reverberations podcast. I hope you will join me next week for a new episode of this program. May peace be your companion.